Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hi, friends. I was recently asked by a few different listeners um, what boils down to basically the same question, and that is, how do you price your projects? It's no surprise to me that this is on people's minds. It's a common question. It's one that gets batted around a lot. Um, I remember one of the conferences that I went to for the, the old APH, the Association of Personal Historians, and we had a panel discussion on the topic, and the crowd was huge. I I don't think it matters if you've already got your business up and running and you have a pricing process in place. I think we're all curious about how everybody else is doing it and ways on how we can improve our own pricing structure and process. So I have to admit, pricing has never been easy for me. Um, and I'm not talking about earning money. I'm not even talking about collecting on invoices. What I'm talking about is more the psychological stumbling blocks. And um, I hope that you don't have them. I, m- my guess is that people who come to personal history from a business background may have a much easier time with this. Um, but I did not have that business background. I've been a teacher. I've been a social worker, freelance writer. A long time ago, I was a travel director. For lots and lots of years, I was a stay-at-home mom. So my business skills um, weren't rusty so much as they were non-existent um, when I first started the Story Scribe, my my memoir writing service. Um, so not only that, I've always had a, kind of an uncomfortable relationship with money. Somebody taught me, I think it was my dad or maybe Miss Campbell, one of my high school teachers, money is power and power corrupts. And I just, I took that to heart back when I was younger. And I think I've never quite gotten over it. So this, this, sort of irrational fear of, you know, the corrupting influence of money. Irrational, because I think you have to have an awful lot of it for for you to see the corrupting influence. And then actually, I think it probably really is something that we should all be wary of. Anyhow, um, aside from all that, um, and probably the biggest stumbling block, and I do suspect that this is shared by a lot of people who are in the service industry, especially ones who do something sort of creative for their clients, like we do. Um, we have to, in order to make a living off of this, we have to actually put a monetary value on something that we create. And this is not in any kind of abstract way. This is in a really concrete way. We have to say to our clients, yes, I'm bringing all of these skills to the table. I'm providing you with a service that you desire. And I am saying that it equals X amount of dollars. I find that whole thing difficult. My dream is to hire someone to take care of all of that so I can focus on the things that I'm good at and feel comfortable with, which is the interviewing and the writing. But until then, I have to put on my big girl pants and figure out the best way to tackle this stuff. Um, Not just how I price things, but sending out the invoices and doing it regularly, something that I'm not all that great with. All of the bookkeeping, something I'm definitely not great with. Um, But what I am here to tell you is that if I can learn this stuff, which I have, if I can learn it, anybody can. Okay, enough rambling about all this, you know, squishy feeling side of things. And I'm sure you want me to get down to the brass tacks. And that is, how does one price a personal history project? 
All right. Now that it's very well established that I'm not an expert in this, I will go ahead and walk you through my process. Um, And I want you to just keep in mind that there are no hard and fast rules. So take whatever sounds good to you and adapt it to your needs and toss out the rest. Um, So roughly speaking, I think we all fall into one of two categories. There are those who price by the hour and those who price by the project. And then, of course, there's all the other people who price, you know, using a hybrid model. Um, But the way that I do it is I I charge by the hour. And I'm going to tell you what I tell every potential client in our initial sales consultation. So I have an hourly rate, I tell them what that is. And then I tell them, that's not going to mean anything to you, because it doesn't. And what I tell my clients is, they don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. So I spend a very small portion of my time sitting across the table from them or, you know, across the living room from them, uh, recording an interview. There are so many more things that go into it. And I try to explain this to them so that when they um, get their invoices, that they're understanding exactly what their investment is going towards. So that is the time um, it takes me to transcribe an interview, or most likely the cost for having it sent out to a transcriptionist. Um, how many hours go into shuffling the material so that it gets into roughly the correct spots in the draft that I start working on right from the very beginning? Um, and how much time am I spending on the writing and the rewriting and the rewriting? And then there's also the correction. So when I give the, the occasional draft to the client, they mark it up with all of their corrections. And um, it comes back to me with all the red lines and all the additions and the deletions. Um, And then and we're constantly doing that, there's constantly rounds of edits. So if you're just starting out, you're not going to know how much time you're going to spend on any of this stuff. Um, And that is really one of the most valuable one of the most important reasons that you want to have a sample project. So you want to do a book for someone, either for free or low cost, somebody who is going to agree to be your guinea pig. And that way you can run through all of the stages of creating a life story book, and you can work out the kinks as you go along. And that's why I recommend having it either be free or low cost to the client, because you're not going to feel Um, as much pressure to get everything exactly right. So you can take the time to figure out what you don't know yet. Um, And as you're doing this, so the first project and every project that you do, I highly recommend that you keep really good records of the time you spend on each main category of task. So just to sort of run through it, um, the interviews would be one major category. Um, And not just the number of interviews, but how long each lasted. And I I keep track of that in minutes. You know, sometimes you're going to have people who regularly you meet with for 90 minutes. Sometimes you're going to have somebody who has a little bit more stamina. And if you have the stamina, it's going to be two hours, it's going to be 120 minutes. Some people maybe are a little older or um, a little more feeble, and they, they can only do 45 minutes at a time. So keep track of the the amount of minutes that you're doing for each interview. Um, And then also keep track of the time transcribing. And that is if you're doing the transcription yourself. And one little little aside here, what I usually do is when I take on a new client, the first interview, I usually transcribe myself because that helps me get their voice in my my brain. Um, And it's not the most fun, but I have a foot pedal. Definitely if you're doing any transcription, use a foot pedal. Um, I have 
I'm looking down right now. It's Infinity, and I use I use um, Express Scribe. Uh, Express Scribe is free. Infinity, the Infinity foot pedal, I think is maybe fifty bucks or so. Um, and if you're going to do any transcription work, you want to have that yourself. So. After that first one, though, I send it off to a transcriptionist. So I keep track of that that lump sum separately. Um, but as far as tracking your time, then you obviously track the time that you spend editing, track the time that you spend scanning photos, and if necessary, any of the photoshopping. A lot of times, people will have older photos that have you know noise and speckles, and you don't have to be a real expert. You had you need to know a little bit of Photoshop skills, um, but you, you can take care of some of that on your own. Another thing that you might or might not want to keep track of separately is your time researching. So doing like the historical, the research to get the historical context for for your stories. I have gone back and forth trying to do this, but in general, it doesn't work for me just because um, they're so they're so entwined. The process of doing the editing, adding material from the transcript into the draft, and looking up things online, whether it's looking up stuff on Ancestry.com to make sure that I have spellings of ancestors right or um, or names of towns right, um, or actually you know looking up the dates of historical events. Uh, it's it's so much back and forth that I really found that it's not worth trying to separate those two out. Now, the only exception is if I'm actually going to a research facility to specifically look up something. So for instance, um, a while back, I was working with a colleague, she had hired me to do some editing. So she had subcontracted me out to do editing on one of her life story books. And this one was about a man who worked in the space industry. So I went for an afternoon or two um, to um, a historical archive in St. Louis um, where they stored, they had a lot of stuff about McDonnell Douglas. So in that case, obviously, it makes sense to keep track of the time that you're spending doing the research and and bill it as a separate line item. Um, There are things that I do not charge for. So things like preparing invoices. I also do not charge for travel time in this People, it actually includes the time that I go back and forth to St. Louis. I used to do it quite a bit more. I'm based in Kansas City. I'm from St. Louis. I have family in St. Louis. It doesn't cost me anything to stay there. And I'm visiting family when I go there. So as a way to um, build my clientele, I it was really handy for me to be able to say that I can work in Kansas City, I can work in St. Louis, and I can also work in Columbia, which is a small town mid midway between those two cities. Um, And I did not charge, you know, it's a four hour drive between Kansas City and St. Louis, and I did not ever charge for that. But I just, you know, it was something that I decided early on, I can, I can get more work if I'm going to be available in both cities. And it doesn't make sense for a client to hire me and pay me to, you know, for eight hours round trip travel. Um, So it was just, it was a way that I, it was something that I did to build my business. So, I also do not charge for uh, the time that I spend emailing people, and mostly it's because I'm just very slow, ridiculously slow at, at composing emails, and I, I don't understand why. Um, and I, I once had a mentor early on who told me that you know it was crazy not to be tra- uh, not to be charging for all these things, so the invoicing, the travel time. Um, he was he said that any minute I spend working for or on a particular client's project, um, that should be billable time. But whatever, I don't. Um, and maybe it's something that I should rethink. But at, at this point, there are 
certainly some administrative tasks that are directly related to clients that I do not bill the clients for. At any rate, um, if you keep track of your time, it's it's not going to do you very much good for quoting a price for your current project, if that current project is your first one. But it's going to be priceless going ahead in the future. So the numbers are going to shift as you get more efficient. So for, you know, if you keep track of how much time it takes to edit an hour of interview, you're, you're going to cut down on that time as you go along. But at least if you start tracking it from the very beginning, you're going to have a foundation or, or a baseline to start from. So the other thing that shifts every time and makes this a little bit difficult is that the project is never going to be the same. So some projects are going to be bigger than others and it's not always in terms of how many interviews you do and how many how many pages you end up with. Some projects um, take you more time and that's because they're for for reasons other than you know you you have more material to work with or more interview time to work with. Um, it's because you're you know going to be asked to interview all of the the storyteller's children and incorporate that material into the book, or maybe you're gonna you get hired to do a project and it's for a husband and wife a, a book combined um, and the structure is more complicated, so it's going to take more editing time, um, or you know maybe they have a lot of primary source material and you're reading through lots of letters. Obviously, you're not going to be incorporating all of the letters in, but it takes time to read. Through through them and, and pick out the, the parts that are going to, um, to forward the story. So there can be things from one project to the next that even if you're keeping track of your time, um, you're, it's going to throw off your averages. Uh, so that means that your target is always going to be shifting. Um, the best thing I think that you can do, and I wish I had done this from the very beginning, but I did not. But um, if you're just starting out, you'll want to set up some metrics. So once you've done a few projects, you'll be able to look at these metrics and see your averages. For instance, you might create a spreadsheet and for each interview, you'll track the number of minutes that you spend interviewing. You'll track the word count on the transcription. So uh, what I mean by that is, is after you have the interview transcribed, the recording is transcribed, <clears throat> excuse me, you look at the word count and that word count is always going to be higher than the number of words that you're going to add to the draft, especially once it's edited words. So in other words, if you have a transcript with 12,000 words, you're not going to, the, the book is not going to grow by 12,000 words. Um, so that's one thing to, to keep track of, the number of minutes that it takes to fully process the transcript. Okay, and when I say fully process the transcript, what I mean is adding and editing all of that material from, from the interview into the draft. So then you can figure out your total word count that has been added with each interview. So it's just the difference between, you know, before you started working on this transcript and afterwards. Um, and then you'll want to keep track of the total dollar amount to process that one interview. So the total dollar amount obviously is um, all of the interview minutes and how much you charge for those. So interview minutes multiplied by your hourly rate, and then the editing time multiplied by your hourly rate, and then the cost of transcription, or if you're transcribing it yourself, your hourly rate for that. Um, and if you keep track of all of these things, you'll be able to calculate the total cost per word. 
that is actually how a lot of freelance writers charge. I don't I would never charge like that, but I like to have that information. Because you can also take that and figure out how much it's costing per page. And when I say per page, I'm going by the industry standard of 250 words per page. But again, that shifts a whole bunch too because you don't know how many photos is going, uh, how many photos you're going to have on a page. You don't know ahead of time what the trim size is going to be, what the font size is going to be. For instance, if you have somebody whose site is is pretty bad, you're probably going to want to um, have a really large font size, at least for one of the copies of the book. So all of these things are, none of them are um, exact targets that you can shoot for. Um, but it's going to start to give you an idea of how much time it takes for any given interview. Um, and then you'll also be able to calculate, um, if, if you can calculate the total cost per interview hour, um, and then you can drill down and see what is the cost related to how many words in the transcript. So remember, I was talking about how, you know, you're going to have so perhaps 12,000 words in a transcript. Um, that can be something good to track because when you sit down for an hour interview with you know Mr. X, it might you might end up getting a whole bunch more or a whole bunch less material than if you sit down with Miss Z because some people talk faster and some t- people talk slower. So you don't just want to rely on the number of minutes of of interview. Now, having said all of that. I realize it can be incredibly overwhelming, especially when you're trying to master a whole bunch of new skills. And if that's the case, oh my gosh, don't just toss out all of that and just keep track of the basics. So add up the interview time and the time it takes you to edit that first interview and then do it for the second one and the third one and all of the subsequent ones. And then Once you get a rough idea of how long it takes to process a transcript, so remember by processing, I mean doing everything you need to take that recorded interview and turn it into an edited draft or part of your draft. So once you get that rough idea, you can multiply it by the number of interview hours that you're recommending that you have with a client. That's how you're going to be able to give them a price range. Um, So say it takes... You come up with uh, 15 hours to process an interview, to do everything that you need to do to, to get that interview, um, the transcript into the draft. So can you do a life story on eight or nine interview hours? Um, probably. Uh, how about something a little bit larger for 15 or 18 interview hours? And for a client who wants to make a considerable investment of time and money, 24 hours or more may be required. And Actually, it may even be something that the client is eagerly looking forward to. So what I suggest is you multiply these amounts by your hourly rate, plus what it'll take for transcription and proofreading. And then there you have it. You've got three ballpark ranges to pitch to your prospective client. Um, But then you also want to make sure that they know that's for the interviewing and the writing only, and that book production is separate. Now, this is really important for a couple of reasons. First, the range on book production is enormous. So you can go with CreateSpace, which is the publishing arm of, of Amazon. And for I think you can spend a couple hundred bucks, they'll do the layout for you. And then you can buy each copy of the book 
printed on demand. So you don't even have to know how many you want. You can order one, you can order a hundred. And, you know, there'll be 10 bucks or less per copy, depending on how many pages you have. Um, So it can be incredibly cheap. If you want something that's custom designed by a, a good book designer with a with good cover art and you know the the client wants three quarter calfskin leather hardcover books um you're going to be looking at something that costs you know several hundred dollars per per book so in other words that is really big and um most likely, you know, the, the price is going to fall someplace in between. Um, but it's extremely hard to come up with an estimate before the draft is complete and the images are chosen. Um, that is before you know how much design work is going to go into the, creating the layout and how many pages the final book will be. There are definitely more variables, but but you get my drift. Like until you have a complete draft in hand and you know which pictures they're going to want to use, it's going to be very difficult to give them even um, a, even a, re- a good range of what the the production cost is going to be. So the second reason, and this is a really important one too, that you want to keep the book production separate um, from the writing and the editing, is because of tax purposes. So on your contract or your services agreement, you'll want to specify two lumps of work. So the the first one is the the service work. So the writing, the editing, the proofreading, the layout, um, and that's where the lion's share of the budget will go. There's no sales tax on service. But if you're going to be selling the clients the actual books, those are physical products and you'll need to collect sales tax on them. And you want to keep that separate because you don't want the you don't want the um, state agency, taxing agency to come back at you and say, no, you should have taxed for all of the, the service work too. Um, and by keeping those two separate, from what I understand, then you're keeping yourself safe. Again, I'm no expert. And, you know, if if you're a little uneasy about this, then I would recommend talking to a tax person. But that's the way that I understand. And that's how I've been running things. Okay, so that is a maybe not so brief rundown of how I price my project. Um, I use a, an, a timer app called Toggle, and it's spelled T-O-G-G-L. And it's it runs on the computer. Um, it's it's uh you don't install it on your computer. It's you actually go online and it runs, and it, and you can set it up so that you have um, you have a different clients and projects within uh, each client project. <laughs> so the overarching project is the client, and then you can break it down and have things for editing, scanning, things like that. Um, so. That's how I do things. But I have to say that I have been toying with the idea now for a while of trying out um, a per project model, Um, mostly because with this timer running, it's really hard not to feel harried. Um, You know, you always know that the the clock is ticking. And I'm just wondering if it would might be make for a more peaceful work environment. If I knew ahead of time, how much I was going to earn, you know, what the project was going to look like at the end, how many pages I would need to write, and then I wouldn't have to have this timer going. Um, but that leads me to what I see as the biggest advantage of pricing per hour. Um, and that is that you and your client 
don't need to decide ahead of time how how big or how small the book will be. So the way that I work it is I give drafts periodically as I go along, certainly not after every interview, um, but after several interviews, then I'll give a draft to the client. They can see how the book is growing um, and they can see where their investment is going and they can also decide when it's time to stop, when they feel like their story has been fully captured. Right now, one of my current clients, he's he has told me all of the stories that he wants to tell. And it took us much less time than what we expected. So he's the the price range that I quoted him, we're actually going to f- come in quite a bit under that. And that's fine. I you know, I want him to be happy with whatever book that he he gets. But I have to say that in general, most people's projects grow bigger than what they expect they're going to be at the uh, at the outset. So many people are just very surprised by what it feels like to sit down and talk to us as personal historians. Um, that experience is so profound of telling their stories. And very often people want to go on. They the, the scope of the project grows because it becomes such a meaningful thing for them to sit down and have these talks and reflect back on their life. Um, another current client of mine, um, he wants, we're doing a book not only about him, but about his deceased wife. And what I didn't know when I gave him the estimated range was the amount of material that his wife had written. And I mean, I'm just bowled over and I'm very excited because she, uh, it was going to be a little bit difficult. It was going to have to be filtered through him. um, And you know, obviously, he was going to know a heck of a lot more about his own early years, especially his childhood than he would about his deceased wife's. But now we have all of this really wonderful material that she has, she had written, um, biographical, you know, smaller pieces, but that we can use in this book. But, you know, when I found out about it, I was so uncomfortable. And I, I went to him basically with my tail between my legs. And I was very apologetic. And, you know, I practiced it ahead of time, how I was going to phrase this. But basically, I there was no way that I could use all of this material, go through it, and um, do it justice by, you know, with the amount of time that I had to work on his book. Um, I was going to lose my shirt, you know, it was either do a poor job, or increase the number of hours. And if I increase the number of hours, you know, I didn't want to be giving away all of my time for free. Um, so I, I worked up the courage and I went and I talked to him and he didn't even bat an eye. He said, of course, it's worth it. And, you know, just in a really 15 second conversation, the scope of the project opened up. And I think that, um, you know, what it boils down to is we want to give the clients the book that they want. And what they're willing to invest in is it's it's what should guide us. Because if you think about it, this is an incredibly important project for them. It's a book about their life, right? So I guess that's the main reason that I'm sticking with the hourly rate, because I feel like it makes things, it can, it has the potential to make things a little bit, um, maybe not uncomfortable for me, but not, there's not a whole lot of insurance on, you know, that whether it's going to be a big 
project, how much I'm going to, you know, how much I can count on making from any given project. But it's worth it because it's allowing me to give the clients really what they want. And that's because when they first start out, the vast majority of the people that I have worked with, they don't know at the beginning really what they want. Their idea is very fuzzy. They know that they want to record their their memories, um, but it's really it's really difficult for them to envision what this is going to look like at the end. So I don't want to mess with that by pitching a certain number of pages with, with X numbers of photos for X number of dollars. Again, like I said, I'm considering doing that, especially for clients who maybe don't have the uh, the budget to do a really big project, um, and they would feel easier knowing that it's you know for X thousand dollars they can get um, a hundred page book. Uh, I don't know. It, it's something that I'm playing around with, and I, I know that that probably works for plenty of people, um, and. You know, I think maybe later I'll try to do an episode with a guest who does actually work from this per project pricing model because I would like to learn more about it. So I feel like this is getting really long and I hope I'm not getting too much in the, in the weeds um, on the details of this. But before I finish, there is one thing that I want to address um, regarding this per hour versus per project issue. So there are a lot of reason why, reasons why there's no best way, right? Best way we need to put in quotation marks because there is no one best way of doing something. Um, and I have to say that I think it's perfectly fine um, whether you price per hour or per project, you need to find what is the best way of doing it for yourself. And a lot of that is going to have to do with what matches up with your personality and with the client's personality. And that's the issue that I wanted to address. So some personal historians and some clients want to know the exact parameters of a project from the beginning. Um, and, you know, the personal historians that use that model, generally, I think they, they have safeguards built in where, you know, they, they, they explicitly outline the extra charges if the scope of the project expands. And then other people are fine with taking a more organic organic approach of letting the book develop without deciding in advance of, you know, what, what the size is going to be or how many interview hours are going to you need or how many photos are going to go into the book. Um, so again, I want to stress that either approach is perfectly fine. They both have, have advantages. They both have disadvantages. But mostly you need to find what works best for you. So my word of warning is this, there is a chance that you will build a certain process, um, a certain, you'll use a model for, for your pricing and your style won't match up with the clients. And in that case, it can be best to be willing to adapt. So for example, I had a woman years ago who was a very successful business owner. She was smart. She was ambitious. She was not the kind to make very much small talk. And she was kind of a tough nut to crack when it came to, to you know, trying to establish that emotional connection to the, to the project, which is what we always want to do when we're going in and, and having that initial sales conversation with the client or whoever's hiring us to do the project. In this case, it, it wasn't a book about her. Um, it was a book that she she wanted done about her parents, both of her parents. And she wanted me, she didn't really want to talk about what it was going to look like, um, how many hours we were going to spend in interviews. She just wanted to know from the outset, what was it going to cost? 
And it was a little bit like, you know, walking onto um, a car lot and saying, I want to buy a car. How much does a car cost? Right. Um, So in my defense, she did not have time to sit down for a consultation. She just wanted that number up front. And that was before she was willing to commit to even having a conversation about what the project could look like. So I was at a loss and I don't think I handled it exactly, you know, all that well. Today, I think I'd be more inclined to give her a, a, a very, very wide price range. But even that would have been hard because like I said, she was talking about a project for uh, both of her parents. And I didn't know because she didn't know, was it going to be two books? Was it going to be one book with both of them? So all these things make make it complicated to to really figure out what a price is going to be. So I did not get the project. I happen to know her socially, and it does not sound like she ever did this with anybody else either. I don't think that a book was ever written about either of her parents. So that also tells me that she probably wasn't all that interested to begin with. But it still leaves me feeling a little bit frustrated. And it made me recognize that I may be most comfortable doing things a certain way, but I sure have to be able to adapt to somebody who isn't comfortable with my way of doing things. Whew. Okay, so that's about all that I'm going to say today on this topic, and I'm sure it's something that we'll revisit in later episodes. But I hope that this has helped. Um, I know it's hard for everybody, this whole pricing thing. But if you have any ideas or if you do things in a different way, if you have other ideas on how to handle pricing, I would love to hear them. You can share in the comments at thelifestorycoach.com forward slash episode 11. That's episode and then the numeral one, one. And also on the on the uh, website, I just added a button where you can leave a voicemail. So no one will hear it but, but me. But I may ask you in the future if I can play a little snippet on a future episode. So if you like the podcast, please give us a review on iTunes because that will help other people find us. And, you know, the, the whole idea is to grow this field of personal history, raise awareness in the public that we are out here and we are ready and willing to help people who want to save their stories. I am Amy Woods Butler, personal historian and your coach for building your own personal history business. Now go out and save someone's story. 